believe in someone or believe in something is part of what it means to be a human. We don't have any option about that. We all believe in something. In fact, we have a list of things that we believe. We have many options that we believe in. All of them aren't at the top of the list. They all have a certain priority. Here's the question for you for this podcast. When you think about all the things that you believe, which one is the most vital one? What is the top of the list? The, the, the thing that I'm talking about, the thing that stabilizes you, especially during uncertain times. What defines you above everything else? Once you can articulate what that is, whether it's with you or someone else, you, you will be able to understand why they respond the way they do, why they react the way they do, how they relate to other people. You will get to know a person well when you know the primary thing in which they place their faith. I want to propose to you in this podcast that there is only one right answer as far as the number one thing that you trust. In fact, you can sum it up in five words, and that's the title of the podcast and the article if you want to read it on our website. The title is, These Five Words Are the Most Life-Altering You'll Ever Believe. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you are here. And yes, it is an article. And so if you want to read this podcast, you're welcome to do that. You can also print it off. There is a print feature at the very bottom. And so you can print this article off. I know some folks, uh, they have told me that they print the, the articles off and they put them in binders in a little book. And I'm so glad that they do that. They're making their own book from our ministry and they also share them. I've had pastors tell me that they have printed our articles off and they have given them to every person that shows up on Sunday morning at their local church meeting. Another pastor took some of our content and readapted it and, and used it at a conference in which he was teaching. And I was so glad that he was using it that way. I want you to use our resources and I want you to benefit, but I also want you to be a benefit to others. And you're welcome to print them, share them, link them. That would be fantastic. Again, this one is titled, These Five Words Are the Most Life-Altering You'll Ever Believe. We live in uncertain times, and so as I was writing this article, the uncertain time that we are currently living in, this is spring. This is March the 21st, 2020, and this will be the season in our lives that we will we will identify by one word, and that one word is coronavirus. And so I wanted to write something that would help people at this season, but I know long after I'm gone, Lord willing, this website will continue, that there will be uncertain times then too. But I'm writing this one during the coronavirus scare of 2020. And so I wanted to write something about faith and trust and belief and what we fixate on because 
there's a lot of people that are anxious right now and there are wor- and they're worried and and it's understandable that they should be this is a very difficult time not just for our country but the entire world most of the world is self-quarantining themselves while global governments are mandating that people stay in their homes it's being mandated in certain cities like Los Angeles for example that you can't go out except for certain services and so we are self the the new language now is self quarantining or social distancing as we separate from other people in just a matter of a few days it's been shockingly real how our freedoms can just disappear with the signature from the pen of a higher power and so it's important that we talk now about this idea of faith, because whatever is at the top of your faith list, the things that you believe in, it will determine the stability of your soul during these times. In fact, one of the things that you could do, you can do it backwards. If you're not sure what you are trusting in, then maybe it would be good to self-diagnose. How are you doing? What are you struggling with? Identify some of the fears, worries, anxieties that are going on in your mind right now. And then as you work that back to a source, you will find that, well, I I need to revamp my faith list. I need to be more stabilized because my my thought life and, and the way that I'm interacting with others right now is identifying that I'm not fixating on the right thing. And so maybe you can do it backwards to identify what is at the top of your faith list. You you are acutely aware that you're not in total control of your life. I am aware of it, and that is my motivation to find something else to trust, and that's why you have found something else to trust as well. It is the thing that you trust the most that does determine the kind of life that you are currently experiencing. You're only as strong as the thing in which you place your faith. If you won't find a truly strong person, and I mean truly strong person, not artificially strong, not the person who tries to create a representative of himself to give the appearance that he's strong, but if you want to find an, a person's authentic strength, then you will be able to identify what they're placing their faith in. You're only as strong as the thing in which you place your faith. If your faith is in yourself, then it's incumbent upon you to be self-reliant. All of us struggle with self-sufficiency. All of us want to manage our own lives, and we can do that rather well when everything is going going according to our expectations, when we are controlling everything and nothing is out of order. We can be self-reliant human beings. Hopefully you have realized by now that that is a foolish expedition to try to be self-reliant because you will never be able to micromanage your life in the detail that you hope that you can so that you can keep everything in control. 
but some folks have experienced a lot of disappointment because they have found out that relying on themselves, well, that is the option that they chose, and they need to choose another option. And so whether you're relying on the government, which is what some people do, some people believe, well, they realize trusting in themselves, well, they can't depend on themselves. And so what they have done is they began to look toward the governments to save them. But the result of this inadequate worldview, it only leads to bondage to the bureaucracy that enslaves them. And so thus, if you're if if your best option is not if your option is to depend on yourself or if your option is to depend on your government and you have found that those aren't trustworthy then it does beg the question who can you rely upon i want to suggest to you that there is a transcending option that is more reliable than you are, is more reliable than the civil authorities. In America, we say it this way, in God, we trust. Now, it's more than a cliche. It should be more than a cliche, though I realize it's more of a cliche than a reality for many people, but it is a transforming truth as much as it is a well-worn saying. And so here's the five words that can transform your life. I want to share them with you. But what I appeal to you to do is to stop what you're doing right now at this moment, and I want you to say these words out loud. Again, the title of the podcast and the article is, These Five Words Are the Most Life-Altering that you will ever hear. Here they are. You can you can hold up your hand, your fingers, and and you can count your your fingers, your five fingers, and and say these five words. Do not fear. Trust me. Do not fear. Trust me. So says the Lord God Almighty. One of the most effective ways to dig deeper into this saying, into these five words, is is let's take a brief survey from the Old Testament to see how human fear and God's call to trust intersect. And so I want the testimony of Scripture to speak loudly to you. And and as, as it does, I want to give you some time to assess yourself as you assess where your fear intersects with God's call to trust Him, and how are you doing at that intersection of human fear and God's call to trust? And so we're going to skip a rock across the lake of of the Old Testament, and I want to bring out some people onto the stage and do a brief, very brief examination of their lives, and then I want to ask you a question as you think about each one of them. First man up is Adam. God says this, Adam, do not fear. Trust me. 
Don't give in to your shame, but come to me and confess your sin. You see, human fear intersected with God's call to trust in Adam's life. Starting at Genesis 3, verse number 6, he had an opportunity not to fear but to trust. Human shame was covering him, and he was getting ready to bolt because he was afraid, because there was sin in his life. And God is calling him, do not fear. Trust me. Well, we know how that went, but how does that go with you? Assess yourself as you think about Adam's opportunity that he had. Here's the question that I have for you. When it's time to confess your sin to God and to others, do you trust him? Do not fear. Trust me. Do you trust him with your life, or do you revert to human-centered responses to hide your shame from others, as Adam did? And so when you have things that are—you have sin in your life, you have sinned, against God, obviously, sometimes against others, what do you do? Do you, do you give in to your shame and, and cover what you did through justification and blaming and rationalizations? Or do you trust God in that moment? Noah, let's bring him out for just a moment. Noah, do not fear. Trust me. There's those five words again. I know they are mocking you, Noah, but you must care more about my opinion of you than theirs. You know the story of Noah. God told him to do something that, on the face of it, sounds ridiculous, and it would be so easy to succumb to the temptation of what other people think of you in that moment. I totally get that, and I know that you do as well. You have have had those moments where God is calling you to trust him, but you succumb to fear, or did you? Here's the question that I want to ask as you now think about Noah at center stage. When God is calling you to take a stand for him, even when what he wants you to do seems unrealistic, Do you cave to the opinion of others? Or does your faith in God carry you through the temptation to cave to fear? These questions that I'm asking you, they're again, they're in this article, and you're welcome to read and print it and share it. Uh, many of you drive as you listen to these podcasts, and I understand that, and I'm grateful, and honestly, it's one of the reasons that I wanted to do them so that you can go about your day and and you can listen to these podcasts, and so you will not have the opportunity to to stop and write and journal if you are a journaler uh, these questions down. But again, what I'm sharing with you is here, and so you can come back to this article. These five words are the most life-altering you will ever believe. And so we dipped into Adam's story. He had an opportunity to be forthright, to be transparent, to be honest, to confess, but yet he chose to chose to run from the problem and and 
Actually, it is a picture of self-reliance, trying to control his own world and his own destiny. Well, that did not end well for him. And so when it's time for you to step up and to confess the things that are going on in your life appropriately to the right people, do you do that or do you cover your shame through other means? Or in Noah's case, God was calling him to take a ridiculous stand as it seemed on the face of it. Do you succumb to the temptation? Well, we know how Noah did. He did not succumb. And then there's Abraham, same five words, do not fear, trust me. Your son will be okay, Abraham. Though things seem impossible right now, you must trust me. Here's the question for you to think about with Abraham. When you find yourself at one of the worst intersections of your life, how does your faith bolster you to persevere even when there seems to be no way for God's power to shine. God was asking Abraham to take his son up into a mountain and to kill him, and it just, well, it seems on the face of it as ridiculous as what he was asking Noah to do. Well, put yourself in that position, and now you are at one of the worst intersections of your life. This is a time to not fear, but trust God we cannot skip the rock across the lake of the Old Testament without talking about Joseph. And so, Joseph, do not fear. Trust me. Though you are suffering for a season, this will turn to your profit, and your trust in me will save many lives. And that's what God, or that's what Joseph said in 5020 of Genesis that you meant it for evil, God meant it for good so that many people could be saved this day. And Joseph had that perspective. And of course, Joseph is in the line of where Christ came from and or came out of. And of course, uh, because of that, you and I have the opportunity to be Christians as well. And so Joseph, he was focused on this higher calling of his life, and God was using the suffering in his life to bring about this good result, as Joseph told us in 5020. And so I want you to think about this, specifically victimization. When you are a victim, as Joseph was, of the horrific decisions and manipulations of other people, do you wallow? in self-pity, in anger, in revenge? Or does your faith carry you to a higher level of understanding and usability in God's world? I know some of these questions are hard-hitting, and and I mean them that way. I uh, Our resources tend to be pretty direct that way, and they really do get down to the depths of of some of our struggles. But here's a caution that I want to present to you at this point. Many of you listening to this, you have failed at these questions as I have. As I read these questions, you know, I, I'm not just writing to you, but I'm writing devotionally. I'm writing to myself. I'm writing to God as I'm expressing, you know, my own struggles. And as I read these questions to you, well, I didn't excel 
I didn't excel at these points, but I, I failed when I was a victim of some horrific decisions and manipulations. I'm asking you, did you wallow in self-pity, anger, and revenge, or did your faith carry you to a higher level? Well, no, I, I wallowed in self-pity, anger, and revenge. And that's the point I want to make to you, that as, as you listen to these questions, be careful how you think about them. You, you may say, well, no, I'm failing right now. Well, I want to say to you, that's that's okay. That's okay. That's not the end of the story. You can still you can still get out of the ditch or, or, or the, the rut that you're in now. I mean, hopefully this article will be one of the means of grace that God will use to bolster you, even though you're failing at the questions that I'm asking you. You don't have to stay down. And now this is your opportunity to get up and, and, and to find greater understanding through God's word and the application of his word in your life and greater usability in his world. Joseph is a hero to many of us. All right, we have Ruth here. Ruth, do not fear. Trust me. You're lonely now, but I'm going to blow your mind. Be patient. Trust me. Ruth is similar to Joseph. She's in that line of the Savior. God was using her in a remarkable way. And so here's my question to you. Are you willing to step outside of people's expectations for your life and do something unusual that leads to a greater good. Ruth is one of those heroes of our faith. And there's another lady, and I wanted to add women in here as well. And so I'm going to bring Esther out right now. And Esther, I have five words for you. Do not fear. Trust me. You're a minority, and your enemies are many, but with me, you are a majority. And though what I'm saying here can apply to men as well, I am thinking specifically of women and the story of Ruth and the story of Esther. And so here's my question to you as you reflect upon Esther's life and what God was calling her to do. Are you tempted to disqualify yourself from leading when it's your unique gifting from the Lord that people need in this dire and seemingly hopeless time? One of the ways that I'm thinking about this is a wife's call to disciple her husband. One of the things that I hear often within our ministry is that wives come to us and they feel like they're in a straitjacket or they're in handcuffs, so to speak, to where they can't speak into their husband's lives for various reasons. And one of those reasons is is because they've they've been sitting under some improper, inadequate, or insufficient teaching for a long time, and they have disqualified themselves from being a major, significant means of grace in their husband's lives. And so as I think about Esther here, God was using this woman in a remarkable way. And the question that I'm asking you, do you disqualify yourself from leading, even if it's in your marriage, when it's your unique gifting from the Lord that the people need in this dire and, and seemingly hopeless time? Well, you can't, you can't get out of the Old Testament without talking about our old friend, Job. Job, i got five words for you. Do not fear. Trust me. Your suffering is more than any other, but wait. 
trust, hope, for your blessing will double and your latter days will be far better than the first. I have a lot to say about Job. In fact, I have so much to say about Job. I I wrote a book as God God took me through the journey of of Job, not on his level, but yet as I began to meditate on the 42 chapters of Job uh, at the end of that process, 30 years later, as a matter of fact, in 2018, I, I published a book called Suffering Well. And I, in fact, I have a link here, and you're, you're welcome to read my autobiographical journey through the book of Job. But here's your question. As you think about Job, are you the judge for how you should suffer in this life? Or do you see yourself as the broken clay that the potter is shaping into something that can only come through painful discovery? You remember what I said earlier about how you hear these questions and say, no, I'm just I'm just failing terribly at these questions, Rick. Well, let me let me remind you again that I especially at this juncture as this pain came, came into my life, as I was processing Job, as I was read, reading the book of Job, I was so rebuked because I was a terrible failure. But God God eventually not just turned the captivity of Job, as he said in chapter 42, but he, he turned mine too, and I want to say that he will turn yours as well. Do not fear. Trust me. And then we have David Do not fear, trust me. Your sin has divided your family, but my favor is more significant than your sin. Here's your question for you. Are you more sin-centered than God-centered to the point that your fixation on your mistakes hinders you from the empowering favor that God has for you despite all you have done wrong? David is a complicated individual but yet, as you sift through it all, you do find great hope in his life because he was a royal failure, and he was a royal man. He was a king. And when I think about a man after God's own heart and God's favor on this person's life, I don't want you to fall in that trap of being so sin-centered that your God-centeredness is pushed to the periphery to the point that your fixation on your mistakes hinders you from empowering favor. Yes, David's sin had consequences, but God used him in a mighty way. And then there's Solomon. Do not fear. Trust me. Your greed is a huge temptation, but I am your God. Be satisfied in me. Here's your question. Do you see your most significant temptation as a reason to give up or an opportunity to recognize that your evil desires are a means to drive you to greater dependence on the Lord? Daniel, do not fear. Trust me. Savage beasts around you, trust me right now. You won't believe what I'm about to do. And of course, you know the story of Daniel. And so here's your question. When the beasts in your life surround you, does your faith stabilize and fixate you on something more profound than what is in front of you at this moment? And then finally, we have our friend Jonah. Jonah, i got five words for you. Do not fear. Trust me. 
The fear of man has gripped you along with a whole lot of racism and bigotry toward those people that you don't want to see become Christians. But God is saying, I am more significant than than any man. Here's your question. Do you realize that there are times when your resistance to God leads you to more complicated trouble in your life? But the Lord is a relentless pursuer, and your best option is to surrender to Him. And so God came into Jonah's life. He went in the other direction. He ended up in the belly of a well, and things just got more and more complicated for our friend Jonah. He was resisting God. It led to more complicated trouble, but God is a relentless pursuer. Do you understand this? Do you realize how God is your best option? To surrender to him is your choice. The only right choice. In theological studies, you'll hear the saying that God uses sin sinlessly, which means he's not looking for perfect people but humble followers. The only kind of folks that he can use is sinful ones. Thus, he will use us in all of our imperfections in sinless ways. In the list above of the historical heroes that we have in the Old Testament, which was not an exhaustive list, you have heard how all of his servants yielded to sinful temptations. Some of them failed mightily, but God was greater than all their sins. Paul was correct when he asked this question, if God is for you, who can be against you? In Romans 8.31, When you are struggling with doubt and fear, I want you to utter these simple but powerful five words. Go ahead. Say them now. Count on your fingers. Do not fear. Trust me. God is entirely trustworthy, no matter what you may what may be happening in your life at this juncture in your life i want you to repeat these words often let them transform your mind let them massage your soul here you go one last time do not fear trust god There is a call to action at the end of this article, and I'm not going to share that with you because of time, but it's here for you, it's free to you, brought to you by those who support our ministry. And so I want you to jump on this article. These five words are the most life-altering you'll ever believe. Work through the call to action, and if we can help you, we're waiting for you on our forums. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.